0: So political junkies of the world unite, or I guess, can we say that now that Bernie's lost or is losing? <laughs> Does that make sense?
1: Oh, the
2: unite, the, the unite Nick thing? Nick gets it. I'll okay. look across the room here. It, Nick gets it. Took it took me 15 seconds, but I, I okay. got
0: gotcha. you. Well, Quick. we're talking politics on this podcast, and I'm struggling because Laura's not with us, and she's usually my go-to on how to open these things, because she has such a, a knack. Yeah, she's great. She is. So maybe this episode will maybe never start because we don't have Laura here to kick it off. But
3: God, what would
4: what would Laura say? I don't what know. I'm trying. I, do. I don't know. What, hmm.
0: She would look she, blankly at the microphone and say, "I don't
3: know what to she say. say." I feel like you can channel this. Harder. Can't be it. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: was too good,
4: Carly. She usually just she doesn't really make the intro. She just decides that whatever we have can't be the intro, and <laughs> so then she'd it go becomes like, the intro. Polling. No, that can't be the in- exactly like you said. That yeah. can't be the intro. But she would say polling.
2: Does Carly have a
0: an impression for the rest of us?
4: Yeah. ooh
0: This is another episode.
4: We've we can't plug
0: this into the intro.
4: I definitely have one for. for yeah, okay. My well, you gotta Joe do, do that
0: one.
3: That's more visual. I think.
4: You have to. <laughs> you have to see the hands and the facial yeah. expressions.
0: Okay, well, that's another time. We will, we will have car. Maybe it's we'll really do a flattering. Our video podcast of Carly's impressions of Joe. <laughs> On this podcast, we are talking about politics. We've got Zach Gorchow from Gongwer News Service and Corey Smith, political scientist from Michigan State University, talking the Michigan primary. It's Zach, the prof, and the primary. It's the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Have you prepared what you're going to say for the the intro, since you're part of the intro now?
5: We're doing a new intro?
0: Yes, we have to do an intro. Are you prepared?
3: Why? God, no, I'm not. (laughs) No?
0: Season three, got to be in it.
3: That's probably what it was, so you already did it. It's already done. (laughs) (laughs) Intro over. (laughs)
5: Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really.
2: I was distracted staring at Joe's Cold
0: Oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's it man. on his desk. It's, on his it's always here. It's always here.
2: And by the way, the, the the ratio of like fruit to disgusting is like 1 to 10. I mean, it's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, it's There's like, nothing disgusting. One part well, what's, fruit.
3: What, what in there is disgusting?
2: I don't even know what's in it. But it, it looks like cucumber mash and... Maybe
3: a couple of chopped apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your... Say that.
0: (laughs) Welcome back. You are listening to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. It's the Michigan primary political junkie edition of the podcast. We don't do politics very often. We like skunks. Mercifully. Skunks and (laughs) Christmas stores and things like that. But we're going to do some politics today. Um. My name is Matt Resch. I'm owner of Rest Strategies. We are the the host of the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. We bring you this little this little podcast every other Thursday afternoon. We have a little skeleton crew here, the the staff, a little bit like the Democratic primary feel at this point. <laughs> skeleton crew, um, you know, a little more meat on the bones, and about a forty year age gap. But we've got some folks here. So Nick, why don't we start with you? Hi, Nick. <laughs> Nick's here. Nick's here.
5: <laughs> Stephanie Vancouvering.
3: Joe Bashy.
0: Yeah, so we're missing Laura, we're missing Nikki, missing Carly. I had this whole thing planned out that I wanted to go around and identify who in the the Democratic primary field each of us would represent, who we would be, what personalities we would have. Which at the time I thought of this, there were enough of them to match up with all of us, but now we don't have that many. Nick, we talked about this yesterday while you were gone. We had you—you you were going to be Joe Biden. Uh, thank you. Because <laughs> only, my only my only, only rationale and my only rationale was that it was because you're tall. Okay, yeah. and he strikes me as tall. That works. Steph, you were gonna. Steph was really mad. She came blazing out of her office when she heard <laughs> me say that you were gonna be Elizabeth Warren.
5: I really don't like Elizabeth Warren. She talks like she just found weed and porn in the nation's bedroom, and she needs to <laughs> scold us about it. And that makes me bananas.
0: Which is why I thought you might be just like Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was thinking
0: this morning about you, Joe, because I know I pegged you as Pete Buttigieg at first because you're young and preppy and kind of a know-it-all Ivy <laughs> Leaguer.
3: I am. <laughs> well, pretty much all those things, yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> but then the Mike Bloomberg thing fit more. the more I thought about it, too, because you just hate people, and he appears to hate being with people and around people.
3: Yeah. I think you could make an argument for Bernie Sanders for me, too, because I'm just so... Grumpy? I'm grumpy and yeah. not flex the least bit flexible about anything. <laughs> well, so That's very true.
6: But you're not a communist.
3: No. But this is like personality okay. All right. stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm versatile. I could I could I could okay. go a lot of different ways.
0: And I had Laura. Laura was not happy either. She was going to be Amy. Amy Klobuchar, hmm. only because Laura kind of deals with our interns, and and I thought, you know, Amy, <laughs> <laughs> Amy is thrown staplers or something at, at herself. I I could see Laura throwing the stapler at Carly. I wonder how Laura's hair would fare in a blizzard. Uh, who would you be? I was I was going to be Bernie, because it, I think it's in my genes. Because I've told you're a front you. Runner? No, I've told you because <laughs> my father, who is of this around the same, age, he's a little younger than Bernie has unfortunately as aged looks exactly like bernie sanders and he lives in minnesota now Uh, my dad not bernie but he gets mistaken when he goes out in public as being bernie sanders and i came across a picture on twitter of another man who unfortunately looks just like bernie sanders that had he had a sweatshirt that said i'm not bernie on it because he looked so much like him he was being mistaken and so i sent that to my dad who is a frequent listener of the podcast and I said, "You know, your birthday is coming up. I'll have to I'll have to track this sweatshirt down." So I thought, just because it's in my jeans, and in forty years I may look like Bernie Sanders, I thought I would just be Bernie. Um, would your dad be
2: pleased or offended if, if uh, when we post this episode, you included side by side pictures
0: of? Bernie I don't Sanders think he would be himself. pleased. My sister and my mother find it hilarious. My my dad not not as much. All right. but. No, don't do it then. So let's get into this. We are going to talk about politics. This is We are coming to you uh, this morning. It is the Wednesday after Super Tuesday. Uh, we are a handful of days before the Michigan primary. And we have two political geniuses in the room with us. Zach Gorchow making his 18th appearance on the <laughs> Cold Oatmeal podcast. Um, he has his own chair. Um, the, he is the executive editor and publisher of Gong or New Service. Zach, good to have you back.
1: It's great to be here.
0: And Corey Smith. The associate professor and interim chair of the political science department at Michigan State University, Corey, you were on about a year ago with us. I think after you wrote an article about the, the the anatomy of the swing voter. Yes. And so, you also, and I want to get to this in a little bit. And I know I think Zach has some questions about this too. But you like to make predictions about. Turnout and how many people are going to show up to vote at the polls. So we want to. I want to ask you a little bit about that.
6: I'm trying that. Yes,
0: you're going to try and you're dabbling, dabbling in that. Okay, so here we are. So um, I had written down 45 minutes ago a question about Mike Bloomberg, and in the 45 minutes since I typed the question, he has since dropped out of the race. So who knows? By the time we're done, Elizabeth Warren might be out too. So this is an evolving conversation. Uh, we'll keep our we'll keep our phones on to see if we get any text alerts, but. State of the race right now, Corey. We'll start with you. We're coming out of a big night for Joe Biden. Clearly, um, Michigan is a handful of days away. How do you how do you look at the state of the race going into the, the Michigan Michigan primary?
6: Well, I I'm a little intrigued by the absentee voting and the early voting um, in terms of how many votes have already been cast. There's a lot of talk about what's out versus um, so there might be a lot of these sort of are predicated on. You know, since Super Tuesday and the reaction to Biden, it looks pretty good uh, for him. And especially since I don't think there really, there was an assumption that Sanders would do well, but just on campus, there was no mobilizing for Sanders on campus compared to four years ago. Hmm. And I think that's partly because of the, you didn't need to register a vote a month ahead of time this time. And so there wasn't near as much of the organization push. So, I mean, it was seeing to me already that the youth vote wasn't Clearly or consistently uh, for Sanders as opposed to Clinton in 2016 is in, in this year. So, um, I mean, I'm sort of. It makes sense now to say that Biden is a favorite to win Michigan. I know that wasn't like the sense like a week ago.
0: Right. I mean, I, <laughs> when I when I invited you on this, but when I invited you, I think it was in January. So let's yeah. let's have Corey on right before the primary. And at that time, it was like, yeah, this thing, you know, Biden's thing. And then a week ago, when I invited Zach, I'm like, well, Sanders is going to be the the, And now a week later. Yeah, we're back.
6: But all the polls, I mean, of Michigan in between that time weren't targeted towards primary voters. So they had it usually a lot younger. uh, And they also didn't really have a stronger um, racial component, racial minority component that you would expect in the Democratic primary field. So they were kind of tilting towards Sanders already. Uh, so, the more recent one that we just saw um, was targeted for Democratic primary voters. That one matched more what we'd expect to see. And that favored Biden over Sanders. So, And that made sense. I mean, it, I didn't think Sanders was as far ahead in Michigan as people had him.
0: Okay. Zach, what do you think?
1: I mean, if you were to look at it, you see Sanders, of course, had his incredible upset victory in Michigan four years ago when he beat Hillary Clinton, when... A series of, of uh, what could be loosely described as polls uh, showed Hillary Clinton <laughs> up by anywhere from 20 to 25 points. Um, and then Sanders ends up winning. So coming out of Nevada, the third state to hold a, a primary or caucus this year, Sanders wins big. Uh, Joe Biden has no wins yet. In fact, he's done pretty poorly, especially in the first two states. At that point, you think, boy, things probably bode pretty well for Sanders here. He did win here four years ago. He has his committed grassroots organization. Biden has almost no presence in the state. I mean, he does have the endorsement of Detroit Mayor Duggan, which should not be totally dismissed. But, you know, no ad spending, no sign of a discernible organization for him. And yet you look at what happened Uh, on Super Tuesday, and Biden goes and wins states where he spent no money, where he did not campaign, probably the most astonishing of which was Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren's home state, where if anybody was seen as likely to win, was Bernie Sanders being from a neighboring state, and you have a a big progressive vote in Massachusetts. Instead, Biden wins there. The same in Minnesota. He never campaigned there. Um, So, you know, I think... If you're the Sanders people, I think there's definitely reasons for worry, because if you look at a number of the states uh, where he did either very well or won four years ago, he may be winning but is doing worse. He's not getting the same percentage. Of course, there are more candidates in play this time. Um, But if I were the Sanders folks, I would be concerned about the same dynamic occurring here that... um, you know, he may not get the same type of, you know, enthusiastic, passionate support that he did against Hillary Clinton. Um, Why do you think that is? I mean, I just think it's very difficult to have a second act in American politics that, you know, it's hard to, you know, when you're on that rise upward, it's so exhilarating and exciting, and you generate so much passion and excitement that now, you know, people are, in the Democratic Party, they're familiar with Bernie Sanders, and he hasn't really done anything to broaden his coalition. It's pretty much other than Latino voters. He's clearly broadened his coalition there, but as far as trying to reach out to more of the like center-left, quote-unquote mainstream Democrats, or you know what we know to be mainstream Democrats, he hasn't done that. In fact, he's you know Failed. continued to antagonize yeah. them, and they're so. clearly saying thanks but no thanks. Uh, we're with Joe Biden now. Um, and so he's not been able to broaden that coalition. And for those who you know, maybe went to him four years ago because they did not like Hillary Clinton, um, but maybe they're seeing you know, something with Joe Biden that uh, is acceptable. I think you're hitting
5: on something there because I really feel like both with the Sanders phenomenon and then later on, obviously, in the general election, I think it's a likability factor for Hillary. People just disliked her so much that I think that they were willing to look at Sanders and and look at things a little bit differently
0: do you think that at this point stage in the game Bernie needs Warren to get out I've seen a couple people speculate this morning that that in places like Minnesota and in Massachusetts where Bernie and San, or Bernie and, and Warren voters are kind of the same far left that she is now taking votes that would have that would have gone to him and he would have been able to win Massachusetts and Minnesota if if she hadn't been on the ballot
6: So, I mean, there's two things here, right? So, the delegates are apportioned if you get over 15%. So, it's really if Warren gets over 15%. And then uh, that takes away from his vote. Uh, There's another thing where I don't think she is getting near the pressure to come out uh, from the party insiders because they recognize that she's in some ways helping things. Um, So, yeah, he does. I mean, there's other things, too, like certain states switch from caucuses to primaries. Uh, You know, he traded off reducing the role of superdelegates in the process with a switch to more primaries. So Minnesota was caucus and more, now it's primary. So there he, there are a little sort of changes in the format of the race that have also made it a lot tougher. Um, and if, it, if it's just him versus Biden, he will do better just based on the math of right. how allocation works. So you have to get over 15% and then it's divided based on that. And it's also based on... You know, based on congressional districts, and Sanders not winning in states like Michigan, where you have heavily concentrated majority, uh, majority minority districts, uh, Sanders can actually win, bit bigger in these like like the fourth. Or the, I mean, these districts that are not heavily African American, and tends to appeal to his set. Um, so by not having a third person in the race, it definitely benefits him.
0: Do you think do you think a week from now or I guess next 5 days from now Warren will be on running in Michigan?
6: I mean it's so hard to
1: get into a candidate. Everyone check head. your phones. Is she still um, running? You know, one of the stories I read this morning was that, you know, her team was, you know, understandably very dispirited after this, but at least so far we haven't seen the kind of story we saw with Bloomberg. We haven't seen Elizabeth Warren returning to Massachusetts to reassess the campaign. That said, you know, it's extremely difficult to see what her path forward is. It's clear she just has no path to a plurality so, of the delegates. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. The only rationale would be to try to, you know, basically what John Kasich did uh, four years ago where you decide, you know, I'm going to tr- you know, keep some delegates to try to give me some type of a role. If you know, one is available down the road at the convention, we saw how that worked out for uh-huh. John Kasich. It didn't. Um, You know, she may feel like, you know what, I've got something to say and I'm going to stay in this. She has enough money to hang around for a little while, but the money is going to start drying up, Um, you know, absent something really surprising. um, I'd say it's probably worse than 50-50 that she's still an active candidate by the time Michigan votes, but we should know very, very soon.
6: So, I mean, it's funny, like candidates enter too quickly into the race, but then they leave too, too early. Um, I mean, either way, if she leaves right now, it's kind of a, a loss for her. Uh, I mean, it, there could be a news cycle around that really hurts Biden. Suddenly things change. She can, I mean, the way the Democrats work, unlike the Republicans, is they don't, the Democrats don't have winner take all. And so it's very likely still with the math that there is not a majority preference for any candidate. And having those delegates and having that swing does give you positions and does give you power come convention time. So it's it's a I don't see why if you have the money I don't see why you take your name off the ballot if it's unless it's like seen as politically more damaging at this point. uh, I you know it's why like why did Harris or Booker uh, drop out just you know they don't want to have a loss on their record. I mean. I mean, why not take the law? I mean, you never know in politics what will happen one month later.
0: Well, I mean, one week later, I'm struck yeah. by uh, like how short our memories are. Because a week ago, we got in, Nick and I kind of got into an argument because I'm like, "It's over." Sanders <laughs> has this thing; he's gonna he's gonna coast, and he's like, "I don't think so. I don't think." And although- to show how smart I was, <laughs> I was convinced that the the spoiler was going to be Mike Bloomberg
2: because he was spending eight yeah. trillion dollars on the race. He was on nonstop on TV in Michigan. He was on nonstop everywhere else. He was building up this giant staff. He was pulling in African-American endorsements all across the state of Michigan. And I thought, that's the guy next week. That's the guy you got to look, look out for on Super Tuesday.
0: Well, you know, here a, we week go from, I mean, a week from now, you're you right. Know, I mean, I, I, there was
1: a really good quote from a voter in South Carolina prior to the election, which was, African-American voters haven't been heard from yet. Biden needs a hand and we're going to give it to him. And I thought to me that said everything, that here you have the most uh, high-performing Democratic constituency and African-American voters, which had not really been heard from at all yet. Um, they, he Joe Biden had a lot of support from them. You had uh, Congressman Clymer issues a very high-profile endorsement. And there just seemed to be this gravitation, you know, hey, look, um, you know, African-Americans really matter in the Democratic Party. We are always there doing the work where we show up to vote. Um, we vote in high percentages for Democrats, and there's no way this thing is over until we see if Joe Biden can perform with African-American voters, and he definitely did. And it just seemed to create this a massive signal to um, people who had maybe been on the fence about what they wanted to do. Like, OK, Joe Biden can do this. He's not only one, he's one big. Um, and it just triggered this incredible cascade Uh, of events Um, but I will say you know I had sort of the same reaction after New Hampshire I was like boy you know Biden is circling the drain here but I think to Corwin's point you know there there's something to be said for patience um, and letting things play out um, and boy did that show up with South Carolina.
5: How much of it is um, do you see or account for any crossover phenomenon where Republicans could be voting to spoil things?
6: Well I mean tradition I mean that's traditionally the always the fear. Uh, I think there was a quote from some state representative just the other day about well, the, hey. yeah, yeah. Uh, so one and there's not much evidence for that because it takes it's just the really vocal ones who do it mm-hmm. and I mean beyond maybe McCain in 2000 with Bush, I mean I don't think it's that that likely. Um, that there's a big swing. And the other thing with Democrats is all proportional representation. So it doesn't really, you know, a swing from what it would matter is if you went from 49 to 51 in a winner-take-all. In a Democratic contest, that percentage doesn't really matter that much. So in terms of spoiling the primary, um, yeah, that's... I mean, I still think what's interesting about, just to revisit something about Bloomberg, is that um, the early voter percentage is... And his, his early targeting of Michigan may pay off still and hurt Biden. And so on that proportional representation scale, he's going to take away votes and Biden and Sanders will look pretty even. Uh, so if he gets up to 15 percent, that's largely going to be taken away from Biden, uh, th- those delegates.
2: We'll see. I, I, there, were, there were three interesting things I, I found last night, and maybe this plays a little bit into the turnout modeling. But one was the, the African-American vote showing up, and it seemed to be um, a block um, from state to state for Biden. Number two was in Biden's, um, I don't know if you'd call it a victory speech, his update you know, in, in primetime um, where he was stormed by, by vegan protesters. Um, he made a point of talking about the auto bailout and saving the auto industry, um, which happens a week before Michigan votes, also at a time where Bloomberg is taking heat for his previous statements of not, maybe not supporting the auto bailout um, and not thinking that maybe that was um, the, best, the best idea. The third thing was turnout seems to have been much higher on Super Tuesday in those states than it was four years ago. Um, I, I haven't looked state by state, but the, the states I was looking at much, much, much higher, um, which to me, if I'm Donald Trump, scares me um, if I if I see a Joe Biden coming. Um, so Michigan will be interesting. I, th- I wonder if that um, the auto bailout issue, if they've got some some numbers, they've got some polling, they've got something. There's a, a union play. Um, if, if Biden's working that in and he sees a weak spot in Bloomberg um, on that issue.
0: I guess we'll never know.
2: <laughs> <Right>. He's gone. <laughs> well, you might
6: still see it. I mean, that's it. You still see it in the early votes. The other thing is Stevens and Bonero and these other people endorsed Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, you know, heavily attached to union or auto bailout or saving the auto industry. Um, I mean, I, got, I have some not great surveys out, but I do. And the people who don't like either party like Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, among the most party conflicted, Bloomberg is like a top candidate for them. Interesting. Uh, I mean, that's hard because Bloomberg's not a very likable guy. <laughs> so um, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, he does yeah. do significantly better among those types of people. I don't know where those people are exactly, but... That to the extent you can find it, he does look better on those people.
0: So it's the Joe, the the grumpy person who is just dissatisfied with life. Really likes Mike. Yeah, father. I mean, there's a lot of those
6: people in Michigan. So I, I mean, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of buy it. So um, you know, they just feel disaffected on both ends, or you know, um, so I, I can, I they're older. They they would just want someone in charge. I buy it. Perot, I mean, you just look. I'm, so I'm just going to be looking at Perot votes, and. Uh, and Bloomberg votes and seeing how those those match up.
1: You know, I think one thing to really watch with Michigan is you know Sanders completely rewrote the idea of how to win a statewide Democratic primary in Michigan four years ago. The idea that someone could lose uh, the tri-county area—Oakland, Wayne, Macomb counties—and uh, win a Michigan statewide Democratic primary would have been preposterous. Uh, but he won with such uh, big numbers in the rest of the state. That he ended up uh, overtaking Hillary Clinton and her, whose performance in those areas, while she won them, wasn't as dominant as uh, they probably needed, as they needed to be. So I think what's going to be interesting is, you know, Biden. There was some signs in a state like Oklahoma, where I believe he won every single county. Uh, It's a fairly uh, white, uh, working class state by and large. Does Biden make inroads in outstate Michigan? that Hillary Clinton did not. And if he does do that, he is in really good shape because uh, I think it seems clear he's going to do very well in the cities of Michigan that have large African-American populations. Uh, There are signs based on what happened in the other states that voted last night that he will do very well in a place like Oakland County, Western Wayne County. Um, You know, those are big suburban areas that he seemed to do very well in. So um, I think there's a lot of pressure on Sanders. you know he um, if Sanders were to lose Michigan, uh, it will be a, a very significant uh, prestige blow. Again, as we've talked about, this is about delegate accumulation in the end and you know, maybe the delegate math isn't terrible as it you know for Sanders, but it would be a psychological blow for sure. It was a huge part of the Sanders progression uh, four years ago, his big upset win here. Um, it had sort of been, not assumed, but he, he had a favorite status, I think, coming into this. And now if Biden just sort of sweeps in here with momentum and not much of a ground campaign and ends up winning, um, you know, it, it, it will really uh, hurt uh, Sanders going forward, I think.
0: Yeah, I saw in the Politico morning newsletter they mentioned that Michigan, the Detroit news poll that you talked a little bit about today, that has Biden up, and it was just a, a brief mention. But it said, you know, Sanders. Another bad news for Sanders is Michigan, a state he was expected to win, is now polling for 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 Biden. So you're right. I mean, that was the conventional wisdom that that he would be doing he would be doing well here.
1: And one thing, too, to keep in mind is it's this race and politics lately whipsaws so quickly. I mean, we were just talking like Biden seemed dead after New Hampshire. Um, You know, Sanders seemed ascendant. Uh, Buttigieg came out of Iowa with momentum and it all went away so quickly. You know, is it possible that the Sanders forces after what happened, Super Tuesday, become like super motivated? We have to stop Biden, much like. Uh, seemingly, the centrist, uh, center-left Democrats were to stop Sanders, and become more motivated. That that could happen. I mean, we it, it's entirely possible we could be uh, looking at this next week. It's like, wow, Sanders. You know, he stabilized. Uh, I, you know, that a lot of things could happen here.
0: So I want to, I want to, Corey, go to you. So you've we talked about <clears throat> you've dabbled in prediction turnout numbers, based on based on the work you've been doing to prepare for this, and then I don't know. Did you? Does you, your thinking? First of all, I guess what is your prediction for next Tuesday as far as turnout goes, and does that change? Do you throw any models out the window after last night and and all that, or how does this work? Okay,
6: so I don't have like race centric predictions. So what what we're looking at is assuming like you look at 2018, youth turnout was historically high, so for a midterm election, really really high, and so then if you break that down and you look at where they still are, they're still located in Michigan, these people haven't moved, a lot of them are still around, and so your expectation is not that they'd all vote, but that young people would vote at the young person type of rate, given that they voted in 2018. So that's the expectation. So, and then recognizing that there's only one competitive race, so the turnout should go slightly down. So if it's 2.5 million, I have it right now, 2.3 million for this year, which is probably lofty, but that's based on record turnout. I mean, like 50-year level turnout in 2018. And so if you expect a similar high-tide turnout, so I think Grebner is expecting 6 million or something he was trying to say for the general election in 2020. If you want to see that number in 2020, we should see 2.3 million at least in this coming election. Uh, for the primary how does that compare to 16 so 16 it was 22.5 2. million is so there is 1.3 million for the GOP and 1.2 million for the Democrats is about even um, so now I'd be flipped maybe to about 0.8 million for the GOP um, and the reason why you just say that is because I and mean, there's all these other issues with all the millages on the ballots and all these other reasons for voting that may play into this. Um, and then 1.5 million for the Democrats. About so you'd expect an increase in size. I mean, to Zach's point about Sanders winning all those West Coast, the Western Michigan counties, pretty big, and everything outside of Detroit, pretty uh, pretty well. Um, he needs. I mean, in some of those places, you'd expect high turnout. You know, if you look at, like, the Al-Sayed and Whitmer breakdown or you look at those sorts of things and you're trying to get an indication, right, certainly it's going to be a different um, – you'd want to see him running up the totals in those areas. Um, So there might still be high turnout, but there are also different types of voters. There are people – these are the Romney-Clinton voters uh, who didn't vote, who may have voted in – so, like, Oakland County – even though Oakland County went Democratic, you know, in the, in the general, it had more people turn out in the Republican primary than the Democratic one. Right? So if you, wanna, if you are expecting Oakland County to, do, to trend Democratic again in 2020, you would need to see like a 30% increase in turnout for the Democrats. So that's, that would be a rough, a rough target. So I got to have, you want numbers here? Let's see. So instead of 180,000, maybe more like 235,000. So on the, in Oakland County and that that same with Kent, too, if you're thinking of these like Romney, uh, Clinton counties, uh, you'd have to look uh, you'd have to look at a certain 20 to 30 percent increase. Okay. Um, and that might help Sanders, but may not completely, because what's the story of who these people are who are switching over is more, you know, suburban moms or, you know, there's sort of a, a stereotype of these types of voters who have been turned off by Trump.
1: So if there's a county, just here we are, we're six days away, and we're just sort of assessing the new dynamic. If there's a county in Michigan, that I think I'm going to really watch for the Biden-Sanders race, it's Kent County. And that's for two reasons. One, Sanders performed so well there four years ago. His margin in the city of Grand Rapids proper was unbelievable. He completely drummed Hillary Clinton there. But also Kent County is one of these sort of Potentially ascendant Democratic counties, longtime long-time Republican bastion, um, but as we've now seen in the last, since really since the Trump cycle uh, really got going, um, that it is parts of it are shifting pretty dramatically to the Democratic side. You look at communities not just the city of Grand Rapids proper, Grand Rapids Township, Kentwood, East Grand Rapids, Wyoming. These are communities that are now more like 50-50 or even solidly Democratic. These types of sort of ascendant suburban areas that are moving toward the Democrats are the kinds of areas that um, uh, Joe Biden seemed to do well in in other states. So, do those kinds of voters who really dislike Donald Trump, they are higher income, they have bachelor's degrees, and wouldn't be seen as your prototypical Sanders voter, do they say yes or with Joe Biden? Because if they do, I think that's going to really cut down on Sanders' numbers in the primary. Conversely, if he holds
6: serve and does well, that's great for him. And th- those voters are Warren, are like Warren's bread and butter too. So, she really hurts him in this state, or Sanders it is. Hmm.
0: So, uh, tell me if, I, if I'm right in this. So, one thing that I think is different between obviously 16 and 17 is there's a whole new there's a whole new voter out there. Right. That didn't exist in 2016. This this voter that was created in reaction to Trump. Right. Right. And that's what you're talking about, Zach. You're yes. talking about these Kent County folks who maybe were always raised Republican or really weren't one thing or another, but because of either affection or hatred for Trump, this it's this new group of voters that are kind of, it's an uncharted territory now to see how they act. Well, we only saw two years ago a little bit how they started to act, but now how are they going to act in the presidential year?
1: Right. I mean, I think the expectation is this carries forward that one of the concerns that a lot of uh, Democrat, you know, people in the Democratic Party have had is does Sanders, if he were the nominee, would he blunt that? You know, again, higher income voters, bachelor's degrees. Are they going to embrace somebody who's a self-proclaimed socialist? Um, That's untested and unknown. Maybe they would, but there's a lot of people who are worried they won't. Um, And, you know, you look at the communities now that are represented by Democrats in the legislature. I mean, it's to me as somebody who grew up in Troy, it's shocking. You know, Birmingham, Troy, Rochester Hills. Uh, these are all communities that used to elect Republicans to the legislature with 70 to 75% of the vote. They're now electing Democrats to the legislature. There's really felt like there's been this sort of 10 year realignment that's going on that got underway with the first Obama midterm in 2010, um, where Republicans made incredible gains uh, in white working class areas outstate, places like. Monroe County, Bay County, Saginaw County, Calhoun County, those all seem to have been consolidated to the Republicans by and large, but now the reverse has happened where these longtime Republican areas in the suburbs are shifting to the Democrats, it feels like a Biden candidacy largely keeps that going. Uh, The big question of Sanders is, would he win back some of those white working class areas and would he be acceptable in some of these new areas it would be if he were the nominee it would be fascinating it could either lead to a, maybe a narrow democratic win or a, a complete debacle and that's what scares the democrats so much
6: right so i mean i was always confused by what was going on in michigan versus nationally so there was this effort nationally among democrats to win white working class voters back and it seems like here like people want to embrace the trend, right? I mean, they're like, let's win Oakland County. Let's win all these places outside. Uh, so I, I'm still, you know, I, you know, there's a question about mobilization on some end, right? So there's, you have a 40 cent gas tax as tax, one of the main sort of policy proposals of the Democrats locally. Um, that's a white working class uh, gut punch. Uh, so I'm sort of, You know, that's I don't feel like Biden wins those voters back. Uh, But then the question is, does he is there enough of a push on the on the right on these Kent County uh, townships or these Oakland County uh, cities that that really push it over? I got I got I mean, I'm sort of intrigued also on certain other areas like I think there's a couple counties that track the best with the state in the last 20 years who aren't like big counties. So if you look at uh, Cass County, Dowagiac or Wexford, uh, you look at Cadillac area, Wexford. Um, now they're more like on the Republican side, but the way they move is really the way the state moves. And so the question is, if you wanna look also for maybe weakness in Trump, uh, look at those counties and see uh, how those how that balance in the primary turns out.
0: There's a story I had a friend who was long. You mentioned Cadillac, yeah. Long time Cadillac GOP lived up there. He's a legislative staffer now. Who when I think the establishment was just shaking their head and going, "What's this Trump thing?" Because remember, Trump did a rally in Cadillac, and I was like, "Why are you going to Cadillac?" And, and this guy reported back, he said, I have been in politics in Cadillac my entire life. I have never seen a crowd like this. There are lines lined up for miles to get into this gymnasium in Cadillac. And it was like, but that goes, yeah.
6: yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, so there's, there was a famous, uh, pretty popular book by a political scientist out in Wisconsin during the Scott Walker sort of trend. And it was all focused on resentment. Um, and sort of people believing that politicians don't understand what their way of life is. There is a lot of tracking with that with northern Michigan and outside Michigan areas and their sense of just how, not just like local Michigan uh, representatives from these burbs, uh, how they understand life here and that Trump really is winning those people.
0: So 2.3 million, that's your number?
6: Yeah. You want to Kent? What, what, what did I say? Forget. Yeah, I want to see. Down. I want to see Kent go. Can't go to ninety-two thousand for the Democrats. So this this is not saying like this is a failure uh, for the parties. But if you want to see, so if you want to believe these projections of five point five million or six million for the twenty twenty election, and you want to see youth voters vote at the same level. Uh, You would want to see that level turn out. So the one issue about Sanders not bringing out youth voters is, well, he brought, I mean, there were youth voters in 2016. They didn't kind of come out in the general, but they did come out in 2018. They voted in the Democratic primary for El-Sayed. They voted, or I mean, I guess not just El-Sayed, but I mean, they did vote and they really came out and voted in the Michigan election in fall election. So if you want to see those voters come out, you need to see those numbers. And if not, it's not saying that one's bad. It's just saying that we're going to expect lower turnout. However, um, outside of 28, uh, 2008 and 2012 and increased turnout in, Denver, in Detroit, um, the balance of turnout has not favored either party from election to election. There's been no swing, turnout swing. All the sort of swings have been swings in voter preference. So if you total up by like, just the average party support of each city and you do turnout, it's not like... 2016 was a demobilization of Democrats. It's, it's been all swings. Hmm. So um, even if you want to look at the turnout game, you can look at those numbers. But it's not like turnout game is the only thing in Michigan. Hmm. Michigan's one of the few states where people are actually changing their minds about things.
2: So if Kent County turns out 92,000 Democrat primary voters on Tuesday. Yes. Then that tracks well for the Democrats in the fall.
6: That would mean that we'd expect high and that based on that's also in taking in the amount of support they had for Clinton in 2016. So that means that that's those people have switched over and they're interested in the Democratic primary. So that's that's just a gauge right now. It's not an accuracy. It's just saying if you want now, there's two reasons why you could say that's not going to be there. It's either turnout's going to be lower overall. And so people just won't be excited or because Kent's kind of now in more of a mix. So there's two, you could, you could have two explanations. And the
2: turnout level you're saying doesn't predict who people are voting for when they turn out.
6: Right. Right. So there's, there's total, I mean, a lot of the Kent County voters may just want to vote for Warren. Um, That sort of thing. I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, I don't know what millages are on the ballot in Kent County.
0: So I got, I got one more question. Unless Zach, you've got anything, but I've got... So one one question this is i th- impact of the new absentee law in Michigan. Have you seen your 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 prediction for turnout uh, voter participation is that driving more people new people just same people doing it a different way?
6: It makes it makes my data a little more noisy so the the usual the
0: I love noisy data. Okay so <laughs>
6: the, the take on it is so usually like if you look at data we have in January of 2016. And you try to understand what the election is going to look like in in, uh, November of 2016. Some people move, some people re-register. So 18-year-olds probably increase about, uh, what is it? 18-year-olds probably double their size because they turn 18 and they register. So there's a... There's a dynamic there that you sort of predict on. For absentee, you're kind of like, okay, let's And the early, you don't have to register, that's the other thing. So the absentee one, um, it may be that we just see a lot of wasted votes uh, in this primary, but I'm more interested in the amount of counting it'll take. uh, Because the argument from political science is a a lot of these mail-in votes for primaries are just eating up voters who would have showed up at the polls. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you have any sense, any data from other states as to so all these spoiled ballots, you know, yeah. clearly the Democrats in the last week have been doing all kind of as much, you know, kind of earned media public education as they can about it. if you've already voted for Pete Buttigieg, here's how to go vote for yeah. Joe Biden. Any any idea how many people are going to go back and fix that or change that?
6: So by the estimates that were just out, they had what is it, only one percent? I think that had actually done that. There was one report about that.
0: Who will go, who have, uh, who, so who far have picked.
6: already redone it. Uh, it. It takes two acts too, because you have to first spoil it and then you have to foil, file mm-hmm. another vote. So that's three times the effort overall of just doing one. I mean, that's three voting acts or you know, talking to the clerk. So That's real. That's a lot to ask. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, just hold on to your ballots. (laughs) 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 Just wait. I mean, people are eager. I get it. Like people want to say like right away, I'm doing this and let's do it. But it's, um, I'm more interested also how long it's going to take to count because Michigan has like one of the most decentralized counting systems in the entire country. And with all these rules and whatnot, it'll be interesting. I guess there's still play about whether we'll count ahead of time, um, but it's going to be come November. I would be intrigued. I mean, it may be that the margin of victory in 2020... Another issue with absentee ballots is people make mistakes on them. So it creates higher spoiled ballots. So we might actually have the margin of victory be smaller in Michigan than, say, the number of spoiled ballots.
0: Hmm. Oh so, my
2: goodness <laughs> so, okay.
6: when you Can send you, send you imagine a... the lawsuits in the... Yeah so when you send in an absentee ballot it's, I mean when you vote in person The right. machine spits it back out oh. And tells you this is You double marked Or it didn't So It'll be interesting It'll be interesting to see that Can we ask for
3: Predictions Or are we too highbrow for that You go right ahead okay. Mike <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yeah I want to know who. Okay who's going to I got my I, prediction already We'll take now. this This is this is what I want to <laughs> know Who wins next Tuesday who win, who's the, who's the nominee what happens in Michigan in November and who wins like the whole thing oh boy <laughs> well let's do it
1: <laughs> i think let's get crazy let's get crazy yeah i mean boy i i felt like i had egg all over my face last 4 years ago i thought clinton would walk away with michigan and sanders won but i mean right now at this moment it seems like biden is in best positioned to win Michigan next week um, I would expect it will be relatively close um, but I think you know Biden is probably better positioned to win Michigan uh, I mean again this could all change but you know I it will. Today, tomorrow. Okay. if you look <laughs> yeah. at the states that are still to vote and what the current trajectory seems to be that Biden probably has a slightly better path to the nomination than Sanders, um, you know, I do think Sanders is going to have to make some changes to try to broaden his appeal. I mean, I, I just think it's very difficult to get nominated as the Democratic Party candidate when uh, African-American voters are so lopsided with um your opponent so i think that puts biden in a in a good position um as far as michigan in the general election um i mean i think it is only going to take a switch of a roughly 11,000 votes uh for the democrats to win you could you know a democratic candidate could get that almost okay. easily uh if detroit votes at any, even get slightly more of its votes back that it lost, you know, in 2016. Uh, Then you've also got the turned up numbers that I would expect out of Oakland and Western Wayne counties. For Trump to win Michigan, he has to not just replicate what he did four years ago, which I think is possible. I think he could get the same number of Republican votes as he did four years ago. He probably needs more. And that's, I'm not ruling it out, it could happen. I just think there's a lot of paths for the Democratic nominee to get those votes. I think Biden they're probably easier for Biden to get than Sanders. I would you know probably put a narrow bet on Michigan going to the Democrats uh, this time around, but I think it will be tooth and nail. Absolute, you know, I don't think we've seen we're going to see a race for president in Michigan like we've I think we're going to see one like we've never seen one here before. Um, right now, I still think the Electoral College looks pretty good for Trump. Overall, uh, you know, you could see it wouldn't surprise me if we saw the Democratic candidate, if it were Biden, win the popular vote by even more than Hillary Clinton won it four years ago and yet still lose the Electoral College. I think Wisconsin looks like a really difficult flip for the Democratic candidate. Um, Pennsylvania looks doable. But after Michigan, Pennsylvania, the Democrat needs another state. Right now, I don't know what that state is. Uh, So. I, I guess I'd say very, very narrow edge to Trump, but lots of twists and turns to come. Okay. You heard it first from there Zach. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll,
0: we'll, we'll, we'll have you back in late October for our Halloween. <laughs> our yeah. Halloween it'll,
1: edition. yeah. Replay the tape. It'll be embarrassing, <coughs> yeah, I'm that, sure.
6: <laughs> all right. So let's say uh, one. So Biden has an advantage in that African Americans don't do early voting that well, uh, that much. So that's good. And that he's getting on momentum and they're going to vote on election day. So. That seems like a good turn right now, so let's just ride that momentum. Uh, But, you know, I think the question is whether Biden actually has a majority of delegates come the convention time, enough to sort of secure with the superdelegate thing, probably enough to be the the heir or the understood, but that's gonna cost a lot. Uh, The thing for Michigan that people don't understand is Trump's polling numbers have gone up since 2016, is that his favorability numbers, now you can complain about Michigan polls, and I do. Uh, but to the extent that you look at the polls, his favorability numbers have gone up from 36 to 38. to four, Now he's up to 43. And one thing that you also have to recognize is that there's fewer, the population declines in Wayne, Genesee, these Democrat, old Democratic strongholds are real. <laughs> I mean, they are they are lower. So I mean, we say like, well, he needs to boost African American turnout. But what it was in 2008, there's just that not that many African American voters in Detroit as there were in 2008. So even if he matched that level, we're still looking at a decrease in the number. Versus like Livingston County or these outer areas, um, it's a lot easier. If if Trump can win those counties, that's like a big that's a big win. So I, I think it is like a coin flip. The youth turnout is the big is the big thing right now, is if they turn out the same way these record levels that they did in two thousand um in two thousand eighteen, yeah, then then the Democrats have a really good chance. Okay. Um but
0: there you have it. Yeah. So Corey Schmidt, the official political scientist of the Cold oatmeal Podcast. <laughs> That's right. I'll take will, that. I'll take that title. <laughs> I'll take that. The official executive editor and publisher of Gongware for the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. (laughs) Thank you both for being here. This is fascinating stuff. And we will see in a couple days if any of it is right. Probably not. (laughs) We'll be right back. So, Nick, do you think any of the things we just talked about will still be true on Tuesday?
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and well, I mean, the predictions, you know, who knows, but um, it, it looks like Joe Biden is not going to drop out of the race, and uh, Bernie Sanders is not going to drop out of the race by
0: Tuesday, so we should be good to go. Well, in the time that we... But who knows? In the time that we have changed the room here, so in, in the, the couple hours since... Zach and Corey have left, left us. Stephanie has left to a meeting. We've added back in Nikki O'Mara, and Carly Buell. Hello. Back from their work this morning.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So the room is, a little, is shifted around. And in that time, I saw someone tweet out that uh, Bernie Sanders has a press conference scheduled for in Vermont today to talk about the campaign. And yeah, he could drop out. Who knows? <laughs> I doubt it. Anyway, we talked polls. With Zach and Corey, so Nikki, we waited for you to come back. You've got some polls. You have some.
4: To share my own polls. If you got, do you, have, you, have, per, do you personal have personal? Do you have your own polls? No, they're not. You should mine. just start doing that. I should do that. That'd be awesome. They're what the cold qu- oatmeal polls. What would
3: your question be? What would you ask? Don't tell. Just come in here and do it one day.
4: Okay, I'm not. I can't tell you.
0: <laughs> okay, way to go, okay.
3: Joe. <laughs>
4: we'll, we'll hear her when she does it. <laughs> okay, so the first poll on the cold oatmeal at pod. cold oatmeal pod. Yeah. I was going to say that okay. on the Twitter handle. Excuse me. <laughs> Would you jump a giant poisonous lizard with only a burlap bag? So this is reference to Sal. That's the right. Skunk Sal guy. The
0: Skunk Guy was on last time.
4: Yes. He told so, a story
0: about jumping a gigantic poisonous lizard with a burlap bag.
3: What's what do we got?
4: Um, so eighty-seven percent said nope, they wouldn't.
3: I'm glad people were honest.
4: And thirteen percent said hell yes. So those thirteen percenters. I
3: don't believe them. <laughs> I think there's like one dude that would do that. There's there's only one sale. They're
4: very brave.
0: <laughs> that was Steve. You know Steve was voting. He would, he would Yeah, I'm sure he did.
4: <laughs> and then the second one is flashlights that show dried pee on the floor. <laughs> Good idea, bad idea, or the golden idea.
3: <laughs> man, who, man, whoever writes these is a really <laughs> clever person. We should, <laughs> we should. find out who does that.
4: We should. Fifty percent said golden idea. So they're to something. Good. It was split, twenty five and twenty five between the other. Asher teams. doesn't have a
2: Twitter account, but he would have voted for.
3: Have that you have, have you, bought you looked into of those yet? yet?
2: Like, I, I have not looked into it. But when I mentioned that these things existed at the mm-hmm. dinner table, Asher, the podcast people can't see me, but he went like this. He went <laughs> like his eyes got huge and his mouth dropped open. Like there's a light that will let me see mouse tracks. Like he was just that the idea sparks his imagination so i'm i think there is definitely one of those lower grade lights in our future
0: well you should tell asher that shortly the night that the sal podcast came out um my wife and, and boys were driving around town doing things and they put it on the car radio and they were listening to it in the car and um they loved it they loved the sal stories everyone loves the sal stories we should have them do a regular segment
6: i would and, love that i would ask sal in for that
0: and so they were ask, They were fascinated by Asher and him talking about wanting to be an animal control person. Mm-hmm. And um, a week or so ago, we saw a squirrel in, run into the hole in our roof that Sal had patched up. So was, Sal had to come back and set a trap, caught the squirrel. First words out of, I think it was Owen's mouth when, when Brenda said, yeah, Sal was here to get the squirrel. He said, was Asher with him?
2: Yeah.
3: Oh. <laughs>
0: Nice. Like now, Asher. Asher doesn't work with a sale yet. He would. Not yet.
2: He would love to have a summer apprenticeship sale. If you're listening and you're taking on eight-year-old apprentices, Asher would sign up. Absolutely.
0: Well, Brenda had to text me because there was a dead squirrel in a trap on the, the roof of our garage. She's like, "Distract the boys when you drive in, because Sal hasn't come back to get the squirrel yet." <laughs> Why distract them? <laughs> this is what happens, boys. That's right. Take a look at the wild. That's what happens if you're a squirrel.
2: Yep. Let that be a lesson to the other squirrels. It's medieval. Hang that thing out there for a couple of days. Warn <laughs> the rest of the woodland. We creatures. did see. It took a couple
0: of days for Sal to come back and collect them, and we did catch a squirrel like sn- coming over and sniffing the body to see. Mm-hmm. We didn't know if that was a spouse, a spouse oh. squirrel, or a mama squirrel. I don't think squirrels. Or maybe the dead. Maybe the carcass was just in the way of the hole, and it was trying to get in back into the <laughs> house. Probably more more like
2: the up. word
3: carcass <laughs> always makes me laugh. It's never not funny to me. It's a super harsh word. Write
0: that down Carcass
4: <laughs> Why does it make you laugh? I don't know I just I've
2: <laughs> I feel like we could come up pretty, I feel like Pretty what? quickly with a thousand Different uses of the word carcass That, that shouldn't make you laugh uh,
3: right? Well I'm pretty terrible I mean yeah. None of this should be surprising
0: Okay On that note <laughs>
4: on that great note on
0: that great note um i want to thank uh Corey smith from michigan state university our politi- our the official political scientist of the cold oatmeal podcast <laughs> zach Korchow. he's just the official of whatever 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 zach wants to be for the podcast he is he is it always good to have zach back in the studio
3: was that the first time we've had um like someone other than zach be back for a return trip
0: well harkins chris harkins has been on a a couple of times, but not as a guest. I ruined your outro. We just used him as as his voice, for his voice. That's all. He wasn't really a guest that time. Yeah. Anyway, Zach, Corey, thanks so much for being here. Political junkies are going to love this episode. Um, Anyone who loves polls about p flashlights flashlights as well.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Plea flashlights.
0: Okay, you've been listening to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast, and we will talk to you next time.